Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your second grade teacher, or your great 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 aunt Tessie, um, or you. If you have a question, please tell us. We want to know, and we want to try and answer your question. You could do that by emailing us at kdl dot or sorry, rewind. You can email us at stumpthelibrarian at kdl.org or visit kdl.org forward slash stump to learn about the three of us and to submit your question there. I am joined today, I'm Courtney, by the way, and I am joined today by Emily and Jill. And ladies, I'm wondering, what's something that you're looking forward to doing this winter? What's a very specific like winter activity that you're going to do or maybe you've already done? I'm excited for there to be a lot of snow. I'd like to go um, snowshoeing with. We've got a we've got a puppy who's almost nine months now, and she very much likes the snow, so that should be fun. <laughs> Our other dog doesn't like it as much, um, but I'm excited to see her out there. Oliver the will be happy for Molly to be out of the house. I think yes, and exactly. expend some of her energy. Uh huh. He can. He'll rest. be thankful. <laughs> Jill. I am looking forward to cross-country skiing. I love it, Sporty. and so I can't wait to do that. Um, but also we. But our dogs, they're called mutlucks. They're like oh my little Are they boots? booties <laughs> for them. And they hate them. And they're hilarious looking when they try to walk in them. And They're probably I, like flinging their feet as they walk because they're trying to get the boot uh, off. I can't wait to watch them walk in those over and over again. Uh, is this like an ankle booty? Is it like a thigh high dog booty? Like, is there a heel? How high is yeah, the heel? How high is the heel? <laughs> no, it's just over their foot. Okay. So it's not very not yeah. very tall. And then we have two sets for all four paws. <laughs> so they uh, we put them on them to test them out and they hated them so much. <laughs> Aww. We haven't actually taken them on a real walk with them, Aww. although we should because they get snow in their little yeah. tiny yeah, paws. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's uh, Minnie would not last in those. My dog, I did buy her at Target because it was on sale. Um, story of my life right there. It was on sale at Target, so I bought it. Um, but I bought her pajamas. And I brought them home, and my uh, housemate was like, no. She's like, she's going to hate that. And I was like, you know what? Yes. But the picture is going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be me in my pajamas. Her and her, anyways. Um, wow. So it's sporty things that you're planning to do. Um, I would like to build a snowman. Because I am Anna from Frozen. Yeah. So that's <laughs> We should what, have set that up better. I could have been like, do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> that could have well, you know, our, our telepathy was we'll a little that. off this time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's what we're looking forward to. Let it, Email us and let us know what you have done, um, if you've built any snowmans or gone on any cool walks, or if your dogs also have embarrassing booties that their mom makes <laughs> or, them or wear. Or pajamas. Out. Or yes, pajamas. Sure. Um, but let's get to the meat of it and let's answer some questions. Jill, what's our first question? Oh, our first question is from Corey, age 8, from Wyoming. And Corey asks, why do we get dizzy when we spin? Well, this is a good question, and I can tell you that Jill worked very hard to find the answer to this. Okay, she's saying no, but she was very focused. She was typing it up, and she was in the zone. 
you totally miss mine and Emily's conversation about um, <laughs> Secret Santa things. Yeah. Um, because we are recording this pre-Christmas, but you're listening to it post-Christmas and other winter holidays. Anyways, um, so what is dizzy? Um, it is the feeling that we get when we are turning round and round and round and round and round and we stop. And then we feel like we are still spinning. So Emily... What are some things that you do that make you dizzy? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked. Just right there when you said round and round and round and round. I'm glad you could get this off your chest. Yes, I, during my story time, can do a spin when we're doing a story time song, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like yeah. I'm, I sometimes try to counteract it and then like go the other way because I want the kids to think I'm fun and then I can handle my spins. I can't. I can't oh, no handle spinning. Them. No spinning. Yeah, I would say. Um, so you probably prefer jump up, turn around. Oh yeah. Instead of dance freeze smelt dance freeze smelt dance freeze melt where you're spinning and spinning and spinning. Yeah, we have one of those uh, ballsy roll and then you have to do the action that comes ah. up on it. I got rid of spinning four jumping jacks. <laughs> like I put jumping jacks on there. These poor little like three year olds do jumping jacks. I'm sure you don't make them do like twenty jumping no, jacks. Probably no, like, I do don't. three. But some of them get into it. Anyway, yeah. spinning. Yeah, hard. I've had I had at story time this little girl and she just she literally spun around the entire story time almost well yeah don't you remember loving spinning i just felt yeah i just felt dizzy looking at her i was like oh my gosh i was like not on the carpet but (laughs) (laughs) jill when do you get dizzy uh, I also get dizzy during story time, and I start out my story time with a, a song, I'm in the mood, and yes. then I have a different motion. And I do spinning, like, fairly regularly. I don't know why, because every time I do it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> but I always do it third, so I have a moment to gather myself right. before yeah. we Just move into something else. A one. Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> I worked with Jill at Wyoming for a hot second, and I was there on Fridays when she would do story time, and it's so funny she'd be like what am i in the mood for today and i was like coffee it's too early (laughs) that's not emotion no it's not but you can be in the mood for it anyways um so the reason we feel dizzy is because of when i did know the answer to this one emily what body part your inner ear yeah your ears um I did know that. Jill doesn't think that we know that because she was like, guess what? Are you really excited about this? And I'm like, I'm on the spot. I'm old enough. Struggle with answers. I'm old enough to know that your inner ear has to do with your balance and your balance is why. You You can't trick us, Jill. Can't trick us. We're old and we know. No, just kidding. You don't have to be old to know that. But anyways, our ears make us, they let us hear, of course, but our ears also help us keep our balance. Um, Way deep inside our ears in what is called the inner ear, like Emily said, there are lots of interesting things. So there are three loops pointing in different directions. So super confusing for anything traveling in your ears, like which, not even a fork, there's three ways. Does that work? Anyways, um, these loops help keep your balance. They have fluid inside of them and lots of tiny, tiny little hairs. Um, When the fluid inside your ear moves, the hair moves. Um, The hairs are sending signals to your big brain so that your brain knows what your body is doing. For example, when you lay down, the fluid in your ear moves. And when the fluid moves, the hairs move and they send a signal to the brain so that your brain knows that you are laying down. Doesn't it make you just kind of want to like... I'm like, how do you know what I'm doing? (laughs) Um, When the fluid... Oh, wait, where did I lose? There we go. When you spin slowly... Your brain knows that you are spinning because it gets the message from the hairs. 
Did you know that? I didn't know it. I don't believe it based on my own experience, <laughs> but I didn't um, know that, no. Yep. If you spin fast, the fluid sloshes around. So when you stop spinning, the fluid doesn't stop moving. Have you ever seen this in a cup of water or maybe if you make one of those like tornado things with a pop bottle? You know, like if you set, if you're really aggressive and you set your jar of water down really hard, like the water sloshes, yeah. sloshes around a little bit. Um, when you get the water moving fast enough, it doesn't stop moving right away. The same thing happens with the fluid in your ears. When you spin super, 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 super fast and stop, the fluid doesn't stop right away. So when that fluid is still moving, those hairs are sending a signal to your brain that you're moving, even though you're not. That means that even though you have stopped, your body still thinks you're moving. And thankfully, it only takes a few seconds for your inner ear fluid to settle down and things feel normal again. So that's good because your brain isn't thinking that you're spinning for hours after you've stopped. Um, but this is why we might also get dizzy on playground rides or amusement park rides because sometimes you see like athletes like figure skaters or ballet dancers who can spin super fast and then move on to other moves quickly. Um, sometimes they will use this technique where they will attempt to keep their eyes on the same spot and then move their head very quickly back to that spot. Um, this makes them less dizzy because that fluid is sloshing around less. Um, but the main reason they are able to do these things without having to stop because they are dizzy is because they train so much. They are able to teach their brains to suppress dizzy spells. So I've seen that like when you're like you have to like keep your head and then spin and then you're supposed to like get faster and faster. So I can never this is why I don't do sports, but but now yeah, I feel like now there's could, other reasons. But we could practice that for story time, though. I mean, yeah, kind of pick one like part of the story time room. Yeah, okay. Maybe put like a nice picture where that is, or I mean, I'm not a professional athlete. Are you? Aren't dizzy. you though? As I was saying it, I was like, there's other things I'm missing in, or just move. Don't idea. spin fast. Yeah. I've definitely slowed down how I spin to where it's like. Even it's probably the kids are probably doing like six spins, and I'm like, I'm just about to finish number one. Oh, go the other way, and I will do that. I will have them go the other way um, in dance freeze melt. That is, I but, go the other yeah. way too. Do you think that it counteracts the slot? That's what I'm hoping. That's what we're all like, <laughs> yeah, trying to tell my brain I'm not, not moving that fast. Um, but that was super interesting because we all get dizzy, so it was something to learn about. Speaking of learning, Jill has a super fun fact. Tell us, what are what knowledge are you going to grace us with today? Okay, this is the Scholastic 2020 World Record book. And this is an exciting one. Woo. I, th I think you can tell by the sound of my voice how excited I am. I'm excited because I see Taylor Swift on the back. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Excited. I didn't pick a music one. This it's book is really cool. It has sections. Yeah, it has music, screen and stage, on the move, superstructures, et cetera. But I picked one out of the state stats chapter because I'm not cool and into pop culture like you guys. That's All right. The state with the oldest Capitol building. Well, since you knew about the ear, you must know what this is too. <laughs> and that's that's just, these are not related <laughs> in the slightest. Um, oldest state, I'm going to say Pennsylvania. That's that is also where I would say. Okay, okay. Right. Well, you're both wrong. Dang. And I have been here, and it is Maryland. Oh, okay. And it was started in 
the year 1772. Um, and Virginia is the second oldest with 1785. Pennsylvania, no, not even on this list. Even list. Not even on this list. There's five in Pennsylvania, not even on this oh, list. Boy. And uh, I've been to uh, three of these five state capitol buildings. Oh. I've been to 26 capitol buildings. That's impressive. That is one over half. Yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> Proud of you for that. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's a, a goal we have as a family to visit all 50. I did, I did know that, at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, thanks so, for that. Maryland, oldest state capitol building. I mean, that makes sense when I think about it, but Pennsylvania just strikes me because I mean, Declaration wonder, of Independence. Yeah, is that why? But I guess that's not, that wasn't in their state capitol building, I guess. Right, so. because it, the, Pennsylvania used to be the nation's capital, but they hightailed it out of there. So I don't know if any of those buildings are in use for are in use cap- yeah right there might be older state capitol buildings that are not in, use. not in use oh i missed that detail yeah all right so we can still be right i think so i think <laughs> i think we can be let's answer a question i guess we can do that so maria age 10 from wyoming asks what causes earthquakes Yay, this is a Courtney question, and for those of you that don't know, which is probably most of you, um, I actually went to college to be a young science teacher, so I have my bachelor's in integrated science. I thought I was going to teach science to elementary kids, but then I got a job at a library, and I was like, nope, this is it. This is where I'm staying forever. But you do still kind of teach science. Yes, I do, so it's nice because I get to use that knowledge. I'm using it right now, so... I happen to have watched many videos back in the day when I was in my geology classes um, about earthquakes. And so before we talk about earthquakes, we have to talk about planet Earth, the third rock from the sun and how it's structured. So the Earth, like cakes or like onions, as um, Shrek would say, (laughs) um, and Donkey would say parfait, is another one, um, is divided into layers. So we have a solid metal inner core, And then we have a liquid magma outer core that surrounds that. And then there's the mantle. And then on top of them, which is super, super thick, um, the mantle is what you would essentially dig through to get to China. Like that was like a big thing. Like, could you dig? No, no, you can't. can't. (laughs) I was going to say no. It's a hard no. You can't dig through the earth because once you hit that magma, it's real hot. Like it's metals at liquid. And so metals melt at a soup, like some metals melt at a supremely high temperature that is not safe for you so anyways um but on top of the mantle is the crust which is where we live which is where we sit um and it's like a pie crust it sort of sits above the filling i know that we have some differing opinions about pies but we can agree that they have crusts i'll um, allow it i'll <laughs> allow <laughs> is glaring at emily um anyways but also like a pie crust it is broken and i think that metaphor kind of lost itself at that point um but the crust is broken up. The Earth's crust is broken up into about seven large and noticeable plates. There are a few like smaller ones, but there are seven plates. Yes, Jill, I'm have say you something. ever made a pie where the crust is like the crust Earth plate things? The you plate should. tectonic. No, but I really should. Thank you. That, that one, sounds wonderful. That one I would eat. There's a there's so if you ever want to like work like there's a really good activity with plate tectonics, and so that's how earthquakes happen is through plate tectonics. And so if you take some graham crackers, there's different ways. Um, so like puzzle pieces, for example, they're connected at their edges. So the, the different plates on earth are connected at their edges and where they are 
um, connected, those are faults. So when movement happens at those edges or at those faults, that's what causes um, the earthquakes to happen um, because all that energy kind of builds up and then it's released and the ground starts shaking. Um, sometimes it's noticeable. Sometimes it's not noticeable. Um, and earthquakes weren't really studied. They didn't really, like someone, I forget what their name is. Um, I think it was Wagmire. If you watch the SciShow video that will be linked in the show notes, um, Hank Green, who's one of our favorites, We'll talk about the person who first introduced the idea of plate tectonics, and everyone thought he was crazy. I mean, you're suggesting that we're just essentially on these, like, floating islands type of thing. Like, that sounds wild, but it explains a lot about, um, you know, like how mountains are formed and the fact that we were once all one continent. We were all connected in Pangea. So if we were all connected as Pangea, obviously things have had to move, Um so yeah, so plate tectonics, but in 1964, there was this earthquake, which was at a 9.2 magnitude, and the scale goes up to 10, wow. um, that shook um, the earth near Alaska. And so it literally moved the Alaska coastline. It was such a big shift. So anyways, um, I'm going to move to my written notes now, because my typed up notes are not up to, up to this point. Um, but anyways... The plate tectonics are constantly moving. They're moving right now. They're not moving very fast. Not enough to make us dizzy. Not enough to make us dizzy. They're also going like, you know, forward, backwards, things like that. They're not going around Around in a circle. circle. That's true. That would be really entertaining if all of a sudden North America was South America (laughs) and you just like switched places. Australia was up like a Russia and Australia like swap plate. Anyways. So the tectonic plates move in different ways. There's divergent um, where they move away from one another. When this happens, the magma seeps up to form new crust along a boundary. This is a normal fault. Um, At transform boundaries, this is when they slide next to one another. Um, And then at convert, which is where a lot of earthquakes happen. Um, And then convergent plate boundaries are where the plates push, push up against one another. And over time, this can create things like mountain ranges um, which is pretty cool to think that mountains are, like, growing, like, things. Um, but, yeah, earthquakes normally happen along those transform boundaries where those plates are just kind of sliding because it, they're not perfectly smooth like puzzle pieces. Um, you know, like, puzzle pieces have nice round edges. These plates don't. So they're, like, rough and they've got rocks. So they get stuck. And so they get stuck and they're trying to move and they're trying to move. And then when they finally do, all that energy is released the ground shakes, and you freak out because your grandma's uh, china cabinet has now fallen over and everything is broken, and it's sad. Um, but a really fun activity to do this is with graham crackers. So if you take two graham crackers and you kind of, like, push them up against each other, you see how, like, hard that is. And if you push them towards each other, you might have to get it a little wet. You can kind of see how, like, mountains form and stuff like that. So there's a lot of cool videos. There are three... Um, videos linked for you to watch that teach you all about earthquakes. So, Maria, they happen because the plates are moving and grooving, and when they get a little too close, the earth starts shaking. Have either of you ever felt an earthquake? No, but they've said we've had some in Michigan, and I was like, no. Yeah, I felt it. Our our, our, uh, glasses, I was home, and the glasses in our cupboard, like... 
Oh, that's so wild. Yeah. I lived out in Washington State for a while, and there was earthquakes out there. They were all, they were very light, and I never felt them, and I've never felt the ones here. I, I want to feel one. I don't want to feel one because they do, like, frighten me a little bit. But people out, like, west have them They have them all the time. Regularly, so, yeah. So um, California is, like, the mo- one of the more active, like, faults for, for earthquakes. And the way that that is moving is the, I think – it was the North American one is moving um, northwest, and the Pacific one is moving southwest or the, the or southeast. They're going opposite directions. So the Pacific plate and then the North American continental plate are moving opposite directions, and their fault line is right at the coast of California. Is that the San the San Andreas San Andreas fault? Yeah, it's the one at California. Yeah, so super interesting stuff. Yeah. The, I'm I'm really glad I don't live really close to one. Um, I do live close to the airport though, and I feel like if it, when an airplane flies pretty low, it does kind of feel like my house is a little, a little shaken. And then today, actually at the library, um, there's a pipe leaking at Kenwood, and so the city people had to walk on the roof, I think, and they're just like, and so kind of felt like an earthquake or sounded like one at least. It's just like, yeah, when that earthquake happened at my house, I thought it was either an airplane or maybe like a big truck on my road, which is a residential road. So it shouldn't be there. You know, I just thought it's got to be something like that. But then I I looked online. It was like really an earthquake. I remember seeing that like everyone's posting about it Mm because we live if you're listening, not in Kent County, uh, we live in West Michigan. And yeah, I remember people seeing, I was like, no, you're lying. Hmm. And then I saw the like news article and I was like, oh, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> but yeah, so that's enough about earthquakes. Jill, I know we asked this last time and you uh, got around the question, but this time we're going to ask you, what are you reading? Uh, no corrections this time, at least not yet. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> not, not yet. But I do have a book that now I did not just recently read this as uh, Courtney already mentioned, this is um, in December and all I'm reading right now is Christmas books. Um, but I, I, I read this at the end of October and how many hankies. So we've started a new rating series based on a presenter we had at a training because Jill cries a lot in books if you haven't been listening for long. Um, and he, he said something had two hankies, I think. And I turned yeah. to Jill, who's you're sitting next to each other, like, oh, my gosh, this is how you're rating books from now on. So yeah. how many hankies? Uh, four. I would say if, if we're out of five, this is a four. Four okay. hankies. That's, that's a lot of hankies. I have a box near you, man. Yeah. it's. <laughs> I, I don't know that everybody will have the same level of hankies. Um, if you read this book, let us know yes. how many hankies Listen, you can give this it. book is so good. I bought it for my son for Christmas. And I can say this because this will be coming out after Christmas. So it won't be a surprise anymore. Merry Christmas. Um, but it is the newest book by Kate DiCamillo. Um, oh. And it is called The Beatrice Prophecy. Um, and the cover is just beautiful. So I'm going to describe that really quickly. It's um, like a purple blue sky behind a monk, a small monk and a goat. Um, and you find out in this book that this small monk is Beatrice. And um, she just shows up in this monastery and this kindly monk takes her in and hides her by making her look like a monk. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then she goes on a, a wonderful adventure. 
and she makes friends everywhere she goes she makes friends because she's just wonderful she makes friends with this goat who you find out in the very first chapter is like the most evil goat in the world and will like butt and bite and kick the monks anytime that they come to feed they they want the one monk wants to eat the goat goats are very temperamental yes goats and sheep i think are like some of the more like animals that people are known to own yeah um that are temperamental and have like high tempers sometimes Yes. Well, this goat is very temperamental, and I I couldn't remember the goat's name, but I just I just looked on Goodreads, and it, and Swellica is the goat's name. Oh, That's probably Swellica. why it's mad. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a bad probably name. Probably like I can't get any of those souvenir mugs. <laughs> what kind of name is this? Couldn't have named me Frank. Yeah. Well, and Swellica it is, and Francis, Beatrice I guess. and and Swellica are just the greatest of friends, and and Swellica protects Beatrice. Oh, and good. so does Brother Edric, who is this kindly monk who hides her. And because it's dangerous and people are looking for her. That's all I'm going to tell Ooh. you about that. And so when she leaves to go on this adventure with the goat and some friends that she makes, um, she is is being chased. Now I'm going to have to see if they have it here at Ada yeah. before we leave. Because I did search, I said in the last podcast, I think, or in the mini episode, something that we recorded recently um, that when I was looking for a book to read, there were so many choices. And that was one of the books I looked up, but it didn't have the audiobook on Libby or it wasn't available. Yeah. I mean, it's still very new. And I mm-hmm. had put it on hold several months before it came out, which um, we told you in the mini episode that, um, you know, we get books before they come out, but we also have books in mm-hmm. our catalog well before they come out. So yep. if you know a book is coming yes. out, Put it on hold yeah. and you'll get it right away. For get, sure. Yeah, get towards the top of that list. Yep. Get yeah. yep. And so that's what I did with this book, which is why uh-huh. I read it in October when it, it came out in October. So nice. I read it right away for Hankies and then I returned it and immediately bought a signed copy, actually. Ooh, yeah. Awesome. By Caleb. Kate D. Camillo. Kate D. Camillo. <laughs> Yes, it is. It this is a great. I I just yeah. absolutely loved it. I was really disappointed when Mr. Shu, who was uh, who we mentioned, um, was our speaker. Um, he always brings books, and he's like, "Your heart needs this book." And my heart needed that book. And last time he was here, I did get a Kate D. Camillo book. I got Louisiana's Way Home, but someone's heart needed the book more than my heart did, which is which is fine. I have to read it from the library. But all right, Joel, hit us with our last question of the pod because it's Emily's turn to drop some knowledge. Okay, here we go. This is from Lizzie and Matthew at Cascade. Do kangaroos have a belly button? So I want to know first what you both think before I answer this question because I never really thought about kangaroo belly buttons prior to this. Well... I mean, I guess I need to know, like, what the scientific definition okay. of a belly button is. Okay. We will do some defining. Okay. My yeah. gut is telling me no. Okay. Do other mammals have a belly button? I'm going no as well. Right. I've seen them on primates. Sure. Primates, yeah. Yeah. Like, but I don't know if I've seen it on, like, an elephant. Yeah, like cats and dogs. No, Minnie doesn't have one. No. Well, so we're all going to learn a lot. I think I'm ready for this adventure. I don't think a lot about animal belly buttons. Um, But before I start, I'm going to give you some background information that will help us answer this question. Because 
what and don't all animals have belly buttons and do all animals have belly buttons and what are even our belly buttons for and i have a lot of like belly button questions you should always clean your belly button too. right you clean your belly button. clean your belly button in the shower yeah make you sure got, you yes things get all that lint in there yeah um so mammals are broken down into three categories based on how they grow before they're born and how they are born and so the three categories are um egg laying monotremes, which I always want to say that wrong, which is a primitive mammal that lay large, like a platypus, egg, like a platypus. Exactly. <sighs> the second category is marsupials, mammals that raise their newborn offspring in um, side of an external pouch, like kangaroos. Which is interesting because aren't monotremes and, and uh, marsupials, aren't they mostly only found in Australia? I oh, think. I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't, I, don't really I feel like platypus. Pluses, platypi. Platypi. Jill's going to look it up while yes. Emily keeps dropping knowledge on us. And then the third group um, is placentals, which are mammals that complete embryo development inside of the mother. Mm-hmm. And through an umbilical cord, they are nourished by an organ called the placenta. Like humans, that's what happens mm-hmm. for us. Um, so like we said, kangaroos are marsupials. Um, and that is a, plays an important role into whether or not they have belly buttons. Um, because how you develop when you're growing before you're born really like that determines whether you have one or not so placental mammals all start with a belly button as this is how they get nutrients Mm -hmm. um when they're growing inside their mom their belly button is the place where the umbilical cord was connected to the placenta you can check out your own belly button um that is the spot where your umbilical cord was attached they gave you everything you needed while you were developing before you were born in some species belly buttons look much different and are covered by fur Ah, and others they're just a tiny scar that fades away eventually or or they are just like a small bump so like dogs have belly buttons but they could be covered by fur or it could just be a scar i'm I'm not gonna lie i haven't gone searching for minnie's belly button but she does lay on her back (laughs) asking for her belly to be scratched and i haven't noticed it but i'm gonna look some belly button scratches um both animals mammals that hatch from eggs um as well as marsupials are lacking belly buttons so kangaroos don't have belly buttons because they didn't grow inside their mom they weren't connected to their mom they didn't receive their nutrients and whatnot through the umbilical cord um they have not evolved a placental structure but instead they incubate their young in a pouch or in an egg so no kangaroos don't have belly buttons um but it Kinkers are pretty interesting because they also don't like start out in the pouch. They spend about 34 days inside of the mother kangaroo before they are born. And they're just like a, the size of a jelly bean. And at that size, they crawl up the belly fur of the mom. It, it might be the side fur, I don't know, but the fur of the mom. And then they um, get themselves in the pouch of the mother at just 34 days grown. Yeah, so they're super underdeveloped at birth. Yes. Um, And then they'll nurse inside that pouch for two months. They'll generally stay in the pouch for about six months before they start, like, going in and out. So still even a shorter amount of time than humans. Like, we take nine months um, to develop. Um, But, yeah, so, no, they don't have belly buttons because they weren't ever, like, connected to their mom that way. Yeah. Jill, did you find out about... I found so much information. And there is so much. They're Um, very interesting. So platypus, yes, only Australia. Okay. But marsupials, no. Like opossums. Oh, I forgot about opossums. Yeah. And and there's also... I forgot about opossums, yeah. Most marsupials live in Australia, but 
uh, two thirds of them live in Australia, okay. but the other third mostly live in South America with the exception of opossums. Okay. Possums are yeah. amazing. I used to think that they were the worst, but they do so much. They eat ticks. They, they do eat they ticks. Which wonderful. is so important. Please listen to our episode where we talk about how much information we know about ticks, yes. which is a lot now. Too much which information. Thanks, Jackie <laughs> and Jill, for all that information. But possums are crucial. And they're cute. I watched someone um, on a video that I watched like found an abandoned baby possum. They were like the oh. run to the family. And it's so freaking cute. Like it's just so cute how they're like taking care of it and they are they are very cute. Yeah, I, I've, I've definitely had a I've definitely had one like hiss me oh, yeah. back up onto the stairs of the house I used to live in and inside because they're just trying to protect like their territory to and babies. Them. Well yeah. especially since they do they're a good job at it. Yeah and their babies are so as we learned they're so marsupials tiny. they're so underdeveloped yeah. and tiny because yeah. a, a possum is a marsupial yeah. so it has a pouch with a that's right babe with its babes baby so, that should still be inside. I can't remember if I told you this story or not. But one time I love a good Jill story. We let Obi out. We have a small fenced off area off the side of our porch where we let the dogs go to the bathroom. And we let Obi out and he's barking, 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 barking. He does that anyways, though. Well, a little bit, but it was like uncontrolled barking. Well, Griff is the barker, sorry. Yeah. Griff so is Griff is the barker. He just goes out and barks. That's fun for him. <laughs> but no, Obi just bark, 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 bark. So we went out to look and there was a uh, dead-looking possum. Oh, no, not dead though. No, he was they playing possum, yeah. but he was in that tiny fenced-in area. I'm oh. sure that he was having a heart attack. Like, yes. oh, we just let this dog out, which probably looked big to him. Obi was bigger than the possums. They're not oh that goodness. big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> we we had to get some shoes on and haul Obi in so the possum could stop playing dead and scurry out well, of there. Your dog's just barked at because that's not what my dog <laughs> yeah. would have done. Um, there. and what she has done to other small outdoor animals they get in our fenced yard oh my oh, dog is she's she's, she's a predator she's a she's predator, a predator. That's, that's you know that's, that's fair she's big yeah she's bigger a, than obi is so sweetie. definitely bigger than that possum but yes. uh yes possums are very cute they play a vital role and um that's good to know they don't have belly buttons. They don't have belly buttons. So don't go searching for a uh, possum uh, belly button. Probably <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. No, probably, no. probably don't get close enough for that either. All right. So what was everyone's favorite thing they learned on this episode. Uh, I, I like knowing that they don't have belly buttons, to be honest. I didn't ever think about that in my life. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I did already know this stuff about earthquakes, so that wasn't new. But And I did know about getting dizzy, but not necessarily as much information as Joe yeah. provided. Yeah, I really, liked, I really liked knowing about belly buttons. That's good. Belly buttons. Yeah, good belly stuff. Buttons are fascinating. Well, that is us for us right, for us today. <laughs> Thank you all for your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about the world around us, too. We always learn lots when we answer your questions. Mm-hmm. For more information and to send us your own questions, head to kdl.org forward slash stump. And please tune in next time where we're going to answer some more. As always, a huge and special thank you to the KDL Amy Van Andel Library and Community Center in Ada um, in the Ada branch where we do this podcast from the podcast room. Also to the KDL Marketing Department and to J.D. Dolinsky for our intro music. See ya. Thank you. Bye.